Welcome to the Empathy Exchange Podcast, the show dedicated to helping seniors care staff and residents' families build relational connections based on trust, respect, and understanding as partners in care. To work together in the shared goal of providing the best possible quality of life and care for people living in seniors care, your residents and loved ones. So if you work in seniors care or you're a family member, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Deborah Bakti. Welcome back to the Empathy Exchange podcast, and I'm really excited to be sharing a conversation with Fraser Wilson. Fraser's the author of forthcoming book called Achievable, A Simple and Proven Way to Create a Culture of Possibility and Potential. Fraser's personal motto is making others more. He has a deep desire to improve the lives of leaders and frontline team members by sharing a simple, more impactful way to enable people to live into their potential and achieve exceptional outcomes. Fraser was the owner and CEO of Omni Healthcare, which had 16 long-term care homes and 1,500 employees. He sold it in 2007 to a private equity firm based on its culture, brand, and financial performance. In 2017, Fraser joined Chartwell Retirement Residence as Vice President of Long-Term Care Operations, where he was responsible for 27 homes and 5,000 employees. While there, his team won awards within the company and in the sector. They accomplished a 15% increase in resident very satisfied score and a 7.5% increase in employee very engaged score in the two years. And they were gaining momentum until the pandemic hit in March 2020. In his second year with Chartwell, Fraser was awarded Executive of the Year. He has also served on the board of directors of the Ontario Long-Term Care Association for more than 15 years and has been its chair. Fraser knows what it takes to be a leader who inspires and motivates people in a sector that is heavily regulated, over-scrutinized, underfunded, and chastised by the media. Fraser, so great to have you on the Empathy Exchange. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Deb. Well, I want to jump right in and just kind of uh, from the last line of your bio, which I also read, I was uh, very privileged to be an advanced reader for Achievable. And the other sentence that you added to the heavily regulated, underfunded, over-scrutinized and chastised by the media is, it's a sector fixating on finding fault. And I have to tell you, Fraser, when I read that, I kind of had to sit back for a moment and first of all think, wow, like Fraser's calling it out. And this is something that we need to understand. But also, I think this has probably been one of the drivers for the work that you're doing in writing Achievable. So I just want you to expand a bit on <laughs> the, the, the courage and the vulnerability and transparency that you share with that and what that means for you. Well, let me just start by saying that knowing that this is a sector that is fixated on finding fault, that it is um, heavily regulated, underfunded, et cetera, uh, it's not for the, the slight of heart that you come 
and choose your career in long-term care. Uh, you've got to have an internal drive, a passion to make a difference in the lives of others. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the regulatory body um, through the Ministry of Health and, and Long-Term Care has up to about 600 rules and regulations by which we have to abide by in the sector each and every day. And when the ministry comes into our homes, what ordinarily happens is they are checking our documentation, not necessarily going to the floors and watching what's happening in the interactions between staff and residents, the kindness, love and compassion that's extended there. They're checking the documentation. And what happens is as operators, because we have to have a good compliance with the ministry, ordinarily a lot of our time and energy is fixated ourselves and finding the fault in advance of any inspections by the ministry so that they don't find them. Ordinarily, what that means is that as a sector, because of the, uh, the oversight from external agencies and the drive to, to do good work, um, we look for those things that aren't quite right, not quite perfect. And we, we go into this, this cycle of audits, identifying those areas needing improvement, putting plans together to address those improvements. And before you know it, we're back into another audit and we go through this perpetual cycle. And, um, you know, there was this need to get off the, the, the you know, the hamster wheel, you know, where you go cycle and rinse and repeat, cycle and cycle. And um, that's where, uh, as, as an operator early in my career, I asked myself, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And there's got, we have to be able to rise above the, this focus on fault. And, um, you know, we, Back in Omni, uh, in my early days, we actually came up with this concept of rising above because we didn't simply want to be confined by the rules and regs of the Ministry of Health because that's that's your baseline. But we were all chasing it very hard, and it's almost impossible to, to hit perfection. Well, what I hope we can do today is talk about how we get to that place where we can rise above, live in to our potential, know the strengths and passion, the, the initiatives taken by our people to make a, a meaningful difference in the lives of our residents and each other. And I think that's where in reading your book, I think, first of all, everybody who works in long-term care, staff, leadership needs to read your book. That's coming out February the 13th. And because it's balancing that, yes, we do work in an environment that has all sorts of constraints. There's so many things that are outside of our control. And even looking at this from the lens from a family perspective, right, having that appreciation and understanding that it is a highly regulated, over-scrutinized, underfunded, and yet the work that people do in seniors care and the value and the difference that they make in the lives of the residents and the families is profound. What I love about your book is the messaging for staff and leaders that 
there are so many things that are within your control and there's so much potential that you have. And I think that probably lines in with your personal motto of making others more. And so I, I would love for you to expand on that because that's it's a unique personal motto. And um, from the years that I've had the privilege and opportunity to work with you, you, you walk the talk of that. So please share a bit more about that. You know, I, I came about making others more because I was, I was driven to make a difference. Uh, I wasn't satisfied with the, the status quo. And frankly, um, I would say I was uh, dissatisfied with mediocrity, Wa working tirelessly only to achieve mediocre outcomes. There, there's no um, purpose or, or, or uh, drive in that for me. So I wanted to rise above it. So what did I do? I started attending um, conferences. I wanted to learn how other organizations built cultures and embrace their people in a better way. Uh, I read lots of books, leadership books, trying to, to you know, get the insight into successful organizations. And uh, what came of, of that studying was, in neon lights, it literally was put your people first. Mm -hmm. And putting people first, as much as it, it is known to many, uh, what what is profound is that how rarely it's practiced. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why it's not practiced is because within long-term care, we are, there are so many internal and external demands and challenges. The paperwork is profound and it buries you and it takes you away from your people, the very place where you have your greatest impact. So having read those books, my drive was knowing that there's incredible uh, strengths, a drive in our people and making the difference of others. So let, let me give you a tangible example of, of how we went about this when I was at Chartwell. Um, within the first five months of being there, uh, we had held three leadership summits, uh, three different regions. And while at those summits, 240 uh, leaders from our organization, from all categories of leadership, I asked this one question. Do you believe that your people come to work with the intention to do good work? And they responded with a re resounding yes. All three sessions, all 240 managers, they absolutely believed that their people came to work with the intention to do good work. Unfortunately, they also acknowledged that on the most part, that good work went under-recognized and under-appreciated. What I did is I asked our people, give me a percentage for the work done well by your people. And in each of the sessions, their average response was between 85 and 90% of the work done by our people was done well. Let's think about that. Mm -hmm. 85 to 90% of the work done by our people was done well. Hmm. 
I tell you, anytime I went to school, be a university or, or in high school, that, that's an A. That is a passing grade. You're doing very well when you get that high. And yet, it mostly went under-recognized and under-appreciated. So then I asked them, what if you changed your focus from looking for fault to looking for work done well by your people? How would that make them feel? What would happen to the levels of engagement in the workplace? And what would happen to the quality of work done by your people? They said, our people would appreciate the acknowledgement. They said, the levels of engagement would increase in each of their homes. And they realized that the quality of work when their people were engaged would increase beyond the 85 to 90%. You know, the expression, a rising water lifts all ships. Mm -hmm. When you give your people a hand up, when you acknowledge their good work, they too will rise to the occasion as opposed to focusing on that 10% that's not quite perfect, which actually pulls them down. So coming back full circle to your question on making others more, there was a simple and effective way to make life better for those who lead and those who are being led when we take the time to be present with our people. And you're talking about being intentional. I mean, I just love the question that you asked and you shifted in that question, shifted people to think about the what's working compared to the culture and the environment because of all of those constraints and that sector fixated on finding fault. You kind of rewired their brain and their thinking. Well, it, it went to a place of appreciation. Yeah. You know, and when you you identify very well in your books, uh, as as do I, um, and the level to which our people go to meet the needs, and 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 basically uh, extend the best quality of life to our our residents, and when we thank them for doing that, and sometimes it's just a pat on the back, but being present with them and acknowledging their good work. It's a very easy way to lift the spirit within any workplace. Not hard. That whole um, having somebody be seen and heard, and particularly when we're in a service sector, where part of a big part of what the staff do is that they see and they hear and they create that space for residents in their life experience living in seniors care. Mm -hmm. But they don't tend to get that as much back. No, they don't. And um, you know, a little bit of a segue here because this is beautiful. So back in my Omni days, we had revisited our mission and we re rewrote it to experience hope, purpose, and belonging in long-term care. So let me break that down a little bit for you. And the most important part, back to your point was, to experience. So when our, our people would actually give hope, purpose, 
and belonging to our residents, they in turn would experience the good that they were given. You know, and it was this sense of reciprocation that, uh, you know, providing care is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And the, the more you give, the more you get back. And all we were trying to do is elevate that that concept and that feeling. And it works. And that's why that's why people sign up to work in long-term care. It's not for the faint of heart. Mm-mm. It's because you care that you have a passion to make a difference. And when you can you can identify and acknowledge it, well, it makes the world a difference. It fills their heart, makes them come back. It's like a golf swing. When you hit a good shot, you want to come back. <laughs> you know, there's that sense of appreciation, right? So, Well, and as you're describing that in that creating those moments that matter and having people feel seen and heard, some people working in seniors care may be listening and going, well, that's all fine and good, but do you know how busy our days are? Mm-hmm. And and you know just as well as anybody else with all of your decades of being in seniors care and the frenetic pace. So what would you say to someone who may just be thinking, you know, I don't have time to be present? So I'm going to pick up on some of the teachings in your book, and it's intentionally being intentional. You have a choice to make as a leader in the sector. You can choose to continue to be buried by the daily demands and challenges, or you can choose to rise above it. And although it will take time initially, out of your busy schedule, in time, you will see the fruits of your labor. You will see the fruits uh, of and benefits that are experienced by your staff. Think about what is causing the daily demands and challenges? Maybe you have a non-compliance that you have to work towards. Maybe you have disenfranchised team members that are not feeling engaged, empowered, and, and recognized and acknowledged. You could have customer concerns, um, poor performance outcomes. When you take the time to be present with your people, they'll notice. Take the time to appreciate their work done well they'll appreciate you. Do it consistently and you'll lift the spirit in the workplace and in turn lessen your workload and enable you to do more of the work that you love. Because let's think about this. When, when you choose to be in a, a, um, a leader in long-term care, regardless of what capacity in, food nutrition manager, an administrator, director of care, you you don't go into that position so you can do lots of paperwork. <laughs> no. that, is, that, that is not your intention. Your intention is to bring your best skills and abilities to be able to lead others to achieve better outcomes. So by taking the time initially, committing to being with your people, you'll start to do more of the work that you love, the work that you signed up for and improve the lives of your people and yourself. In other words, make others more. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to learn more about the work that I do in providing staff training, family training, or if you're also looking to redesign your admission process, you can find me at debrabakti.com. And you can email me at Deborah at DebraBakti.com, and all that information will be in the show notes. 
Well, it's like that making the investment in the relational bank account, because when you do share your presence and are intentional and acknowledging and supporting your staff, they, they will go to the ends of the earth for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, when people are engaged, they take more initiatives. The more initiatives they take, the greater outcomes they achieve and the more progress they make. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples there. So one of the things that we, we did at Charwell is that we brought back to life our mission, which was to provide happier, healthier, more fulfilling life experiences for our residents. For me, ideal goals to strive for. You know, that, that's the hard stuff. That's what you want to be renowned for. And then if you can get buy into that, what are the tangible ways in which you get to that place? So that's where we came up with our, our uh, aspirational goals. And we called them our four pillars of wow. Right? So we, we, the four pillars were the dining experience, social recreational activities, dementia care, and palliative care. And what we asked our homes to do is to take up initiatives in each of the four pillars. Now, back to the prior point, you're asking us to do more. Yes, but we're asking you to do more of the stuff that you love, not the paperwork, the impactful stuff that will better the lives of our residents and staff. And I got to tell you, some of the initiatives that we took on, uh, so let, let's say the, the dining experience, we had an older home and it's, it had 124 residents, but we only had seating capacity for just over 60. So we had two sittings. And in traditional uh, form, uh, those that were waiting for the second seating, they would get themselves lined up going down the hallway. Not the picture that we, we love to think of in long-term care, but you know, it was also our, our residents taking the, the, the initiative to, to get ready. And you know what they did? They start, they introduce <clears throat> uh, mocktails and cocktails while they were waiting. Oh, wow. <laughs> and well, all of a sudden, our residents are not lined up down the hallway. They are now, they're eager to get the mocktails and cocktails. And I, I got to tell you, and I have this image in my mind because I had the picture for years while I was there with Mona in her mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic in a big cocktail glass and uh, a straw with the greatest smile on her face. And the initiative when you create opportunity for people and uh, enable them to live into it, it it's a beautiful example. Um, you know, with social recreational activities, um, I, I have this other image. It's Edwina. Um, so it's a, one of the homes. They have a, a three or four day camping experience. It's both staff and residents that go to this. And the picture that I have is Edwina at the age of 95 in a canoe, which she has never done in her life. In the canoe with her is um, two of our team members, um, Bella and Tyler. They have got belly laughs going on they are having the times of their life and you're just thinking to yourself there's 
life and possibility. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the regulations that tell you to do that. (laughs) There is everything in the imagination and the empowered people to make experiences exceptional. The the other that I'll I'll, I'll speak to just quickly is, um, you know, in in dementia care, and and you're you're a part of our dementia strategy, and I'd like to get into that at at some point uh, with you, Deb. But um, this, this was an initiative taken on in one of our homes we had a team that had gone there and they're trying to think about how, how can we best engage our residents that are early risers. So ordinarily when we've got early risers, it's a very busy time of the day and you speak beautifully about this. And now what, when you speak to that and it's, um, it's a really busy time of the day. So although our residents might want a cup of coffee, they have to wait while there's uh, our staff can free themselves. So what did they do? They took it upon themselves as a team to go back to their, their personal residences, gather cups. They had a little coffee bar. Um, they put, put out uh, cookie jars, filled the cookie jar every morning, put the craft of coffee out there, and those early risers were able to help themselves. Mm-hmm. And for those that are, oh, you can't have that happen. You know, the, the residents might spill it. They might s- scold themselves, but you do it with discretion. Mm-hmm. But the more, the more important part was, let's take it back to the mission. Happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. What's better than enabling somebody to live their own life? Right. So beautiful initiatives that, that all you need to do is open the door, invite them to go to come through it and, and watch the magic that happens. Shifting their focus and the things that that they originally got into seniors care for, that they enjoy, that are relational, that are in service and support of the residents and therefore the families, even mm-hmm. though their busyness level would make them think we don't have time for this. Those are beautiful examples. And I think they're also really speaking to the three E's that you write about in your book, Achievable. Mm-hmm. You share a bit about what the three E's are. So it's a, an approach to leadership. And I've broken it down into three words, engage, enable, and empower. So engage is the, the ability to inspire and persuade people to adapt new ways not impose it upon them. Mm -hmm. And that's the key here, because in this highly regulated sector, we're often telling people what to do as opposed to inspiring them to do things differently. And it's, it's their choice to come along. It's your obligation as a leader to inspire them to get there. So we, we did that through our, our mission, which I, I've told you our four pillars of wow, the concept of rising above the regs and um, showing them a better, brighter future. So that's the starting point to, to, to leadership. When you don't have the foundation to, to build from, it, it's hard to move forward. And then we talk about enable. So to enable people is to provide them with the skills of knowledge and resources so that they can grow, be better, and make a greater impact. So this is, I'm going to use the Sagway because I want to get there with what we've done together. Mm-hmm. So one of the single greatest things that we did um, 
at, while I was at Chartwell was introduce our dementia strategy, which was called Imagine Living Life to Your Potential. A little qualifier here, and we talked about this before. It's both for our residents and enabling them to live into their potential, but the participants, because they've now got new knowledge, skills, and understanding, they too can live into their potential. So it's that reciprocation thing that we talked about before. And, um, you know, I think it's important that the, um, the audience know that um, when we put together our dementia strategy, it, it really did cover a lot of dementia, how it presents itself, um, the strategies for our, our residents to best support them, and uh, a deeper understanding of, of the disease process. We also brought in Montessori strategies so that it was a way to engage our residents in day-to-day -day life. And I did a, a leadership component as well because we knew the participants would go back to their homes and have to impress upon their people that this was a better way forward. But the other piece that we did was engage you and uh, your, your, uh, your teachings from uh, Recipe for Empathy. I, I've got to tell you that the work that you do is absolutely incredible. And when, when you were with our front line and you tell your story and journey that you went through with, with Ty and going from the professional executive within uh, one of um, the operators in the sector to now becoming a family member of your husband in a long-term care home, uh, the transition is very significant. And what you did was open the eyes of our people to understanding what it feels like to, to be in the shoes of family members. And I think more importantly, um, the, the multitude of different tests that and barrage of tests that, that you had to go through with, with Ty, that uh, you know, you're making this decision, uh, not necessarily because you, you want to, but because you have to, and it's a better solution for Ty and you and your family that uh, as you walk up to that door, the emotional toil that it has on you as a family, and it does on every other family that's going in there because you've got your grief, the anxiety, the apprehension, because you know what you don't know what you're going to engage with. And you were in the sector and you had a better insight than most, but you know, to, to have our, our participants in Imagine now put themselves in the position of family so they get in a position of understanding so that they're now curious and empathetic so that if if family members are a little off in those early days they can now understand why it's beautiful it's so impactful for our people thank you so let me get into uh empowering our, our people it's to unleash their passion talent and resolve to create and implement uh, new initiatives. I think this is the most exciting of the three E's and you can't get to that place until you've done the other two, right? You've got to set the framework. You've got to put this higher purpose out and, and sort of define what the future can be should we live into it. 
give them the, the skills, knowledge, and understanding to get there. But now, now is the creativity piece. Now is when you free your people to unleash their creativity and their passion. And um, just to give you a couple of, of beautiful examples, uh, uh, Sharon PSW at one of our homes, um, as a result of participating in, in Imagine, what she, uh, she started doing was as she would go in to the doorway of a resident first thing in the morning, she would start singing. Hmm. And what a beautiful way to engage our residents. And she, they would hear her coming down the hall because she was doing it for other residents. But, you know, it's just tapping into that, that innate uh, skill and behavior that she had to, to actually bring it to our residents. It was uh, absolutely beautiful. Another one was, um, so have you ever heard of boxing in long-term care? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, and, and not many people have. And I tell you, I uh, when I heard about this, I was curious. <laughs> and I got the invitation to go to the home and witness the boxing in action. So I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop to this. So our, our program and support services manager, um, she had stumbled upon somebody in the community that, that had a boxing club. And she she was empowered to be able to engage with this individual and um, ask them if he'd be interested in, in coming and doing a boxing program. And he said, yes. And as soon as you have yes, what does it look like and feel like? Now, I'll qualify this. This is not residents boxing with one another. So I just want to put that in there. Okay, I was a little bit worried about where you were going with this. <laughs> we had Ladies, gentlemen, we had younger residents that would go go into this program with J.I., that was his name, and he would have the boxing pads and he would say to them, all right, I want you to hit, you know, the one pad 10 times as hard as you can and the other one. Deb, I got to tell you, I watched this thing. They were winded I bet. by the time they... And it, it was initially because they wanted to get range of motion through the shoulders. And here you have it, all, every participant. And like I said, it was, it was everybody in the home got the opportunity and smile ear to ear, just thinking who would ever have thought of it. And what a story to be able to share with other people. And I think families that are listening to this podcast episode, I, I hope that they've got a smile on their face and imagining what that could look like. And maybe there'll be some ideas sparked that they can go to their home and say, I just heard on this podcast about boxing. Can we do that here? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And, and that was the essence of the three E's, you know, when, when you get to that place and you've put in the building blocks to get there, when you tap the creativity of your people and allow them to do the work they love, magic happens. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that in all of your years working as an executive and owner, you probably 
needed to get involved or intervene with some challenging family dynamics, right? It's, it is one of the realities of seniors care with unmet expectations or just the things that can cause friction. And I'm curious with what you write about from a leadership perspective and empowering the staff, how you have been able to bring that into that relational approach with the family relationship. Okay. Uh, great question. So I'm just going to refer back to what I just talked about and, and what you bring to our people in the training. Because I the, the first point to getting to a better place is getting getting to understanding. And the only way you're going to get to understanding is if you're curious. You park your judgment, you get rid of your assumptions, you get rid of your bias and you try to understand the reaction from a family and why they might be in the place that they are. So that that is the first step in it. And, you know, I, when I talk about it in the book, I, I, I talk about overcoming resistance. I would say from from your perspective and mine is it, it's being open and uh, curious to what might happen. So I'll give you a good example. So this is during COVID. We had an individual, a family member at one of our homes. Uh, he was a prior uh, business executive. Um, he had a propensity for, uh, for, for numbers. And we would give these statistics on the number of residents that were um, um, positive, the number who had um, uh, overcome the virus and those that succumb to it. And we would give regular updates to the families. And he had a barrage of questions. And um, he, he was going directly to our, our, our administrator. And, you know, when you had a call with this individual, he would consume 45 minutes in an hour. Um, and unfortunately, taking our administrator aware away from what she needed to do, which was actually contain the spread of the virus. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I intervened and I, I worked with this individual and I did exactly what you said. said. Let me understand where you're at. Tell me about your loved one. I would tell him more detail behind the numbers. I would explain to him the initiatives that we were taking, how we were accountable to the, the health authorities. And I think most importantly, I said, and here's how often I'm going to give you an update. And I, for, from that perspective, it was the transparency, um, the clarity, and the openness with them. And, and often I would say, I can't tell you what you want to hear. Because he wanted dates when we were going to get to the end. Too much was unknown about this virus. And, and I would say to him often that, you know, I... I can't, I can't give you what you're looking for, but what I can tell you is what I know, and I'll connect with you regularly. And, you know, you talk about this a little bit in, in uh, your books as well as when you say you follow up, you follow up. It, it, you, you lose faith and you don't make, you take away from that deposit in the, remind me what your expression is. Relational bank account. Yes. You, you, you take away from that when you, when you make a commitment and you don't follow up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we actually talked many times after that 
uh, once we were out of outbreak and, and just created rapport over time because we there was an obligation to, to create understanding and harmony with, with family members. I'll give you one other, Deb, and I think this was significant because we, we often talk about in our respective books the, the being present and uh, being a one with your people. So I, I had gone to one of our Imagine sessions and uh, I, I could tell that this one home was really not that engaged. And I had uh, I was always rotating around the tables. And I would try and relate to uh, the different tables, ask what they were doing, what was work working well, what they had learned, uh, really trying to break down the barrier and be at one with them. And I got to this one table and I just said, you know, something's off here. Can you help me understand where, where you're at? And um, what had happened is that they had a family member that, that was berating the staff that were caring for their loved ones uh, to the extent that they would break down in tears. And unfortunately, what happened is the, the leadership in the home tried to intervene and it only made matters worse. Mm -hmm. But because I was present and because I was approachable and they felt comfortable speaking with me, I was able to take that information, work it through with my team. We actually uh, engaged our in-house legal counsel and we wrote to the family member and basically said, um, respect has to be extended to everybody by everybody. And it's not okay that you're doing what you're doing. And fortunately, uh, it was, it worked. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, there was that point where it went to an extreme that said, you know, this behavior is not welcome and it's having a detrimental effect on our people and now their capacity to care for the other residents. So it's not okay. So that's an extreme example, but um, it does work. Yeah. Well, and and I think just in, in wrapping things up here and with the podcast being called The Empathy Exchange, I think you've shared some really great examples. I would imagine that uh, relationship you had with the family member who was all about the numbers. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to ask you about that was, did you see a shift in his demeanor and approach? And do you think that through that, he actually developed more empathy for you and your team versus just being focused on the numbers and what he was looking for? Absolutely. Because he now understood what was behind the numbers. And he was also an individual that wanted to talk to the person in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to go to the top and, and for long-term care, that was me. And um, once we got to that place, uh, I can tell you um, unequivocally from the administrator, he knew when he had a challenge, he came to me and it took it away from them. So there was that empathy and understanding, both from the family member and you got it at the home level as well. Well, and kudos to you as being the top person in the organization to take that on because that certainly alleviate some of the pressure that the administrator would feel but also just how much they would have appreciated you taking one for the team and helping to be able to resolve and make a difference and and create that happy or that better outcome for the for the family I really enjoyed this conversation with Fraser, and I'm so excited about the release of his book, which actually is being released today, February 13th. 
called Achievable, A Simple and Proven Way to Create a Culture of Possibility and Potential. If you work in seniors care, you are going to want to get this book and get copies for your team members. It is enlightening and empowering. And I'll be including all of the contact info for Fraser in the show notes. And um, again, just thank you so much, Fraser, for being on the podcast and also just being such a, a great advocate in the seniors care sector. Thanks so much, Deb. And remember, your power is in your presence. So make your presence matter. Mm -hmm.